want to welcome you today to Karma Cast episode five. Look alive, ready to thrive. And today I have with my guest, special guest Jerome Myers of the Myers Method. And um, we're just going to get right into it, Jerome. How are you doing today? Amazing. How are Amazing? you? Good, Amazing. Good, good, good. So Jerome came out and visited me the other day, and he's been here with me uh, for a day or two, and you're going to fly back to North Carolina tonight. Yeah. And I'm glad I had a chance to sit there. We've had a lot of great conversations. Even I think the first time I called him up and we talked, I'm like, wow, we should have recorded this because it, it was a heck of a conversation. <laughs> so we'll see where this one goes. Um, give us a little bit of your history background. You know, start with like just your, the, finals of, the finalities of your education and we'll take it from there. So you don't want to hear about the warm March day. Uh, the kid, no. You don't want to hear about all that. No, we're going to go right into it. Yeah. We might, we might, we'll go all around, you know, but let's just start from the educational piece into yeah, just the layer background. So, you know, I'm the son of a soldier and a stay-at-home mom. Uh, grew up in favor of North Carolina. Was fortunate enough to live in the same house for 18 years. Left there, went to college, got to play football for four years. Uh, studied civil engineering, graduated with honors. Uh, had two choices, go do my Ph.D. or go into corporate America. And so I took the path of corporate America, um, started out as a structural engineer, got on a leadership track, uh, did that for a number of years, then left the power company, went into consulting, worked for a couple of different consulting firms. And then my final job was building a $20 million business for a construction company. Um, we were responsible for securing all the real estate doing the engineering design, and then actually putting the infrastructure in the ground. Um, and then after laying off people for a couple of years, as part of the holiday seemed like ritual, I walked out of corporate America and started doing real estate investing full time. So that's impressive. You had a civil engineering background and you played football four years. Yeah. And you, you know, got into the field of engineering. Engineering paid pay you well? It did. I broke six figures in my mid-20s. So I was wow. doing really well. So out the gate, engineering, you're doing well. You're working for great companies, doing all kinds of nice projects. And then something, something went haywire or what? Not, well, yeah. haywire in, <laughs> in a way, I guess. So without trying to make it all deep and complicated, I realized I'm just not cut out to have somebody come tell me, hey, you got to fire people. Right, we were running a really profitable business, so I was making thirty percent margins for the company. Mm -hmm. And so each year, it was as if because other divisions weren't doing well, I had to cut people from my division in order for us to kind of balance payroll or balance the mm -hmm. budget. And that just sucked. I wasn't built for that. That sucked the life out of you. you had to do that more than one on one occasion. Yeah. It so the like first a year, thing. yeah, the first year we were arguing on Christmas Eve. It was actually five o'clock where. I got told, we're just going to lay people off. You've got to continue to run the business, so you need to pick who you absolutely need to stay. Mm -hmm. And then the next year, it was right at Thanksgiving. I was just like, I'm not cut out for this. This isn't my thing. So that was kind of the push out yeah. the, into, into what? Into building my own, right? So I got the opportunity, what I felt to be an entrepreneur. I didn't have a ton of people looking over my shoulder it was really me running the business. It was tip of spear. I would talk to my supervisor probably every other week, um, and then I would see them once a quarter. And so it was really me just managing the business, growing it, managing the P&L. So I got the entrepreneurial experience without having to take what 
most people fear is the pay cut. So you have like solid business experience and so looking at, you know, managing the numbers, managing the figures, and then managing the people at the same time to all get the job the done. That's, the that's exactly what a business person does. Yeah. And so, you know, I always wanted to be an entrepreneur. I'd, uh, early in my career, I toyed with the idea of going back and getting a law degree so that I could be a, do M&A, right? I wanted to be a mergers and acquisitions guy. For your, some of your viewers that may have seen the Thomas Crown affair, I wanted to be Thomas Crown, right? Okay. Go in, buy the big deals, um, figure out how to make them work, and then, you know, be the turnaround guy. Mm-hmm. And the, Like, there was something really sexy about it. But then I talked to an attorney. She was like, you got an engineering degree. Why would you do that? So I finished up my MBA and then just continued to kind of grow my career. And then I got to a point where, like, I realized, hey, money's nice, but it's not the end-all, be-all. I really need fulfillment. And, you know, one of the things that happened in my transition from the power company to consulting was I started traveling all around the country and then in the next role all around the world. And I had to give up coaching football, which is where I really felt like I had a real impact. Mm-hmm. I got to work with people who maybe didn't have a dad at home or even if they had everything, just giving them a different perspective because, you know, I've lived a lot of life. I've seen a lot of things and being able to try to inspire folks to go to that next level. Um, you know, every season I would end it with don't let being a high school player being your biggest accomplishment because I know a lot of people who they peak in high school and I just didn't want that for them. I, I saw bright futures for them, even if they didn't know what they were doing because they had the discipline, because they had the commitment to actually doing the work. I knew that they could go off and be great people. And so I just wanted to encourage them that, you know, this wasn't the end. This was just kind of the beginning. You right. were creating yourself you were cultivating um, that inner purpose that inner strength that I think is necessary in order for somebody to grow into that that impact player in the in the marketplace whatever that is mm-hmm. so you were a football player and then you went at some point and started giving it back and I see you doing the same thing with the real estate like you got into real estate and then now you're also giving it back yeah so that I see that pattern pl- uh, play out there what did football teach you well, what has football given you that has impacted your business and starting, you know, and just your 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 way of living in in life? Yeah, so you know, I always mention the fact that I'm a son of a soldier because inherent in that is discipline, right? And so for me, I feel like results come as a result of your discipline. I think there's a whole lot of inconsistent people in the world, and mm-hmm. it often happens that they start something and they don't finish. Right. Um, for me, it's about getting to completion. And so, you know, when we talk about dream chasers, and I, I consider myself a dream catcher, you know, it's I, I, it's always been a focus on completion. You go to football, you either did it or you didn't. You made the tackle or you didn't make the tackle. You ran and filled your gap or you didn't. Like, you made your block. There's not a whole lot of gray area in that space. And so, for me, and you add on the engineering training, the precision of it all mm-hmm. and the exactness of a lot of things became important. But then I, as I became more entrepreneurial, I realized that, like, it's not black and white. There's a ton of gray. Mm-hmm. So being able to live in that ambiguity was challenging at first. And then you have to submit. You have to embrace that that's part of the journey. Um, so it's a commitment to the results. When I know the result, I know how to get there, right? And I, I won't give up until I get there. It's that discipline. It's that commitment. On the flip side of that, you know, I've had to learn how to live in that gray space and ambiguity and make some take some chances. 
So when you took the leap from your nine to five, you know, your, your, your job security, when you took the leap from that, what did you jump into? So I thought I was going to go buy an apartment, but that didn't work out. So I went to How, about... Did you, were you building something? Wait, let me, I'm sorry, backtrack for a minute. Yeah. Were you building something on the side at, or did you just so jump? Not really. Right. So I was working 60 hours a week, basically. Right. So there wasn't a ton of time. You know, I had kids and all this other stuff. So there wasn't a ton of time outside of that. You know, I was getting up at four. I would get back from work at four. I spend time with my kids. We do the dinner thing. And then I get back on the computer till seven to 10 or 11 or whatever after the kids went to bed. Um, and then I get up and do that all over again. So there wasn't a ton of time. But I did have a company established. Um, and I was using cash. And so I was lending money to people who were flipping houses. Okay. Um, and doing hard money loans in that space. But as far as actually building a real business and buying stuff, I wasn't. It, but on the side, you were moving some money. Yeah, I was moving money. Doing hard loans. That's good. So, and that, that was in terms of real estate. So then you jumped, you took the leap, yep. come to the decision, what you jump into? So I thought I was going to buy an apartment. And so the last couple of weeks when I was still working, I was working on building whatever I was going to walk into at that point. Um, but I went to about 10 banks and it says, you don't have any experience. And so you need to find a partner to join you to go do the deal that has experience. The bank told you that, get a partner. Absolutely. Every single time. They, and it was the same answer every time. I was like, well, what about my MBA? Well, what about my bank? What about my credit score? What about all these different things? So you had some cash, you had the credit score. Had everything. The only thing that they said that you lacked was the experience. I didn't have the experience. And I said, well, I'm going to get a property manager. That's not good enough. I was like, oh, now what? And so... You know, I did that for a couple of months, and then I went to start fixing the flipping houses. And so I did that for a while. And then I was sitting on the porch of one of my fix and flips, and a guy pulled up, and he was like, hey, let me see the finishes in your house. We're getting ready to do one down the street. And as he's walking around, we start talking. He's like, hey, do you know anything about this building? Mm-hmm. I was like, I just tried to buy that building like three or four months ago. How, many, how big was that building? Like 23. How many units? 23 units? Yeah. And then go ahead, I'm sorry. No, and he was like, oh, I was like, hey, man, don't leave me out. Like, I really want to do this deal. He was like, well, how much money are you going to bring? I said, well, it depends. And I was like, just let me look around. Let me, let's see if we can work something out. And, of course, he didn't need me, right? He already had the experience. He already had the money. He had everything he needed. Right. So he went off to do the deal by himself. But fortunately, it didn't work out. And so he went and talked to a buddy of mine. It was like, hey, I want you to come in and join my team to do this deal so that we can actually get it done. And then he was like, oh, that's the one Jerome was telling me about. And I was, he said, I'm not doing a deal unless he does a deal. And there it was. That was my end. And how did he come to your, ended up coming to your other friend? Like what was, what did your other friend have? He was a general contractor and he built a pretty strong reputation and he'd been doing some like really nice houses. So he was a wholesaler. Then he was doing some fix and flip. And then he was also doing some new construction. And he had some kind of commitment or loyalty to you, obviously, if he's making a stand like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, he wasn't ready for it when I approached him with the message, but then it came back to him and he was like, okay. This is something that we really should look at. And so um, it was me. So I was helping with project management. Uh, The guy was an experienced partner, and he had the balance sheet. And then my boy was a general contractor. It was a pretty heavy lift, and we can talk about that in a little bit. But it was a really heavy lift on the value add. So Mm -hmm. he was going to be the GC on it um, and handle all the construction. And then the broker, who was actually facilitating the deal, actually joined the team too. 
And so it was the four of us. And then we took it a step further and we brought a property management partner in. And the guy that's in the deal, he manages like 4,000 doors across Virginia and Maryland. And so mm-hmm. the five of us went and took down the deal. It's only a million dollar deal, 1.2, mm-hmm. 1.2 and a half, something like that. But Don't say only. Well, I mean, in I the context of a lot of the deals that I look at today, you know, it's a smaller deal in right. the grand scheme of things. But how long was it from the time you left the job that you got you were involved with this deal? So how much time elapsed? We started looking at the deal as a collaborative in like May, right? So I left December 31, May. We were negotiating for the deal and then we finally closed in November. Okay. So within the first year you got yourself in the deal. Yeah. And then what did you what did that first deal teach you? Only partner with people that you really know. Um, you know, you ever seen that picture where there's a hole in one end of the boat and there's two guys on the one end and there's water filling up on the other end of the boat and the guys are pointing and saying, we're glad that hole's not in our end of the boat. <laughs> the whole boat's going to go down, guys. Like, everybody needs to grab a bucket and go. And I just haven't felt like, you know, if, if you don't know that your person's going to grab a bucket and you're going into a partnership with them, then don't do it. For me, partnership's just like marriage, right? You have tying your financial future together, and if everybody's not aligned with willing, being willing to do whatever it takes, the partnership's destined to fail mm-hmm. because you're just looking at each other. You're going to do that? You're waiting. Oh, well, I'm only going to do this, and then you're also spending time trying to negotiate and position Right. So that you can get as much out of the deal as you want instead of not caring about that and caring about making sure that the deal works. And so that's the way I work. I want the deal to work. It doesn't matter who gets the credit or even who does the work as long as the work is done. And now let's just forward up a little bit into to today, like mm-hmm. from, from that first deal to today where you're at. Where do you see yourself going now? What's going on in, in, in the life of Jerome? Yeah, I mean, so we're going to a thousand doors, right? That's that's the mission is get into a thousand doors. Um, the the end date on that is 2028, and I think it'll happen a lot faster than that because we're doing bigger deals. But because of just this concept of a hundred doors a year is kind of the, the mantra that we want to be in, and the cadence that we want to move on. Um, but we're we're doing a lot of stuff. We've learned a lot over the past three years, four three and a half years, whatever it is. Um, and we want to help teach other people how to do that. Right. So, you know, we've got the conference coming up where you're going to be one of the featured speakers. We're teaching people virtually how to actually go through the process of buying an apartment. Um, and then we're actively running a business. So the portfolio that we have, we're actively running that and we're looking for deals every day. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's really my life. It's either developing places or helping people grow into that new space that they want to be in. So let's talk about this conference. So all of a sudden, you're doing a conference. Yeah. It's the first conference you've ever done? It's the first conference. And that's that takes a lot of uh, kahunas, right? Balls? you got to take a big chance. big balls? Yeah. To just yeah. Throw, put a conference up. And the conference is a multifamily conference? Multifamily investing. We're doing everything from mindset to the t- tools and tactics to buy deals. Yeah. Have you, and you've been to some other conferences or I been have. to at least one or... I've been to some other conferences. I've spoke at conferences. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I've been to a few. So what motivates or inspires you to do a conference yourself? I, What's important to you? 
diversity is important to me, right? I, I think there's people that get caught up in the, the wrapping paper of the true essence of people. And so they look and say, well, if I don't see anybody that looks like me, then I can't do it. And so I want to present people that look like them so that everybody knows they can do it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if I go all the way back to college, um, Duran and I were sitting on the stoop our sophomore year and we we're like, we don't want jobs. We want to do something else. We don't want to trade hours for dollars. And while we were sitting there, we started doing the math on the rent we were paying to the person that owned our apartment complex. And after we got through all of it, we were both engineers. After we got through the calculations, it was like, this guy's making $700,000 a year off of this complex, and we've never seen him. And he doesn't fix anything. There's something to this. Now, back to my upbringing, right? My dad was a soldier. Like, the people who had wealth and could actually buy something like that or build something like that weren't coming to our house for dinner. And so... And I still had that same problem when I walked out of corporate America. I still didn't know anybody that owned apartments or knew anybody that owned apartments that wanted to be a partner with me. And so it's my ambition to put people in an ecosystem where that type of stuff can happen, where you can meet people who are actually doing it, where you can find out what it takes to actually attract the right people to you so that you can get into the space you want to be in. Mm-hmm. Because that is the difference maker between having the life you have and the life you want. Right. So you've been heavy, you've been busy networking over the last few years. And, you know, it's funny you say that because networking is exhausting for me. Doing a one-to-one, this is amazing. Right. Going to a room full of 500 people and then trying to figure out who the person is that I'm supposed to meet or talk to, absolutely exhausting. Mm. Absolutely exhausting. So, you know, and it's uncomfortable too, right? Um, You know, I'm introverted. I I like my space or I like to be around a very, very small group of people. Me too. Who I'm like completely trust. And so to go to that space is is at times terrifying. It's like, I don't know who I'm supposed to talk to. Um, A bunch, bunch of people go and pretend to be something they're not. And so now you're trying to weed through that in the discernment. And, you know, when I show up and I show up the same way, regardless of where I'm going, it's like, all right, is this person being deceptive? Are they being honest? Is there are they trying to get something from me? Like all of that stuff just becomes overwhelming at times. And right. So I stayed away from that. Mm-hmm. Um, and at times I avoided it even it just like, OK, then I got the courage and I got to the place was like, OK, if I can just meet two people. Today, if I can have conversations with two people, then I do a good job. I, I was just in Florida with um, one of my buds, and he had his son come up and greet me and, you know, extend his hand and introduce himself. And I thought to myself, I don't even do that. Like, as a grown man, I don't go into a room and say, hey, I'm Jerome, and I do whatever. I just don't do that. Like, if I'm with somebody and they introduce me, great. But just coming in and... I guess it's something about just trying to make my presence known in the space. Mm. It's just not the way that I move. And so if I'm operating from that base to think that I'm going to go to a conference and do this with a whole bunch of people I don't know over and over and over again, just wasn't exciting for me at all. Yeah. So I started seeing you on um, LinkedIn and I just, I just been on LinkedIn maybe two, two, maybe it's the third month now. 
and uh, your tagline was something about, what's your tagline again? Buy broken apartment building businesses and fix them right. and teach other people how to do it. So I, outside of the teach other people how to do it part, I'm like, that's what we've been doing for, 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 for a long time. Like we just would buy mismanaged broken businesses and fix them up and try to run them, you know, and make them profitable. And um, so I connected on that Im immediately and then just you know, looking at some of your stuff and, and your, 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 you value freedom. You know, so that I think that's another thing that connected. And then I think you watched one of our videos. We just started making some videos yeah. and things, and you started watching a video and you commented. And then I reached out to you. I said, Jerome, you know, I appreciate you subscribing and yeah. commenting. You know, what can I do to support you? I think, right? Yeah. yeah and out of the blue, <laughs> <laughs> so what happened from there? Man, I don't, I can't even remember. It, it all happened so fast, right? But I know after a few conversations, I was like, I want to come see what you do. You have the business that I'm aspiring to. Let me come see how you do it and what you do and see if there's things I can take from what you're doing and see if I can implement them in my business and just get better. Because for me, it's all about getting better. Like I want to get better at something every day. And I want to learn from people who are actually doing it. And, I mean, this trip is a life-changing event, right? So you've been here for two days. What did you – what are some of the – Takeaways, I guess, is a good word. If you're working you. in your business, you can't work on it, right? And so, and one of the points that you made yesterday, like you gotta elevate, um, just in like just your podcast setup, right? Like you have help. Like when I do my stuff with Dreamcatchers on my podcast, I do everything. I'm the sound guy. I'm the editor. I'm the uploader. Like I do all that stuff. And so, just accepting that it's only going to be so good if you do everything yourself, right? Like that's one of the biggest things. And you don't even have capacity to think about anything else if you're actually doing the work. I want to key on a, key in on that one point because that's a lesson that I had to learn at some point. Like I, I remember a year ago sitting down with somebody who's got like seven thousand units, mm -hmm. right? And and um, just talking in the conversation, he validated a piece of information because I was always trying to implement everything and as well as carry the vision. And when he was like, you know, I'm the more of the vision guy, I'm not the day-to-day -day guy. And it just like hit home to me. Like that's what I've always felt like was my calling to is to hold a vision and, and to, you know, but I couldn't get so caught up in the day-to-day -day implementation of it. Right. Or if I did get caught up in the day-to-day -day implementation of the vision, then I would lose the vision and I'd see what is now rather than where we're trying to go. Right. You know? And that was a big lesson for me that to get the help and to get the people, you know, and not being able to do it all, you know? Um, because, yeah. But go ahead, I'm sorry. No, I, I think it's a great point. And I think the one thing that I take away from that is if you can do it all, you're not doing enough, right? Like, there's more. You've got to grow it to a place where you can't do it all yourself. Right. Um, and so I've been aggressively going to that space and setting up systems to fire myself from things that I shouldn't be doing. And um, I think there's there's so many lessons. And I was going through them with Ray this morning, just like how much stuff I've picked up just by being in a space. It's one thing to, you know, talk on the phone, but to actually have somebody, like, open up their home and, like share their most intimate space with you is totally different. And just the way like you think about life and the way you move through life. And 
um, how you prioritize things, right? Like the fact that you take your son to school when like you could pay somebody else to do it or, you know, there's so many other ways you could get that task accomplished, but it's that important to you. So it's a lot about who you are as a person, right? And it made me think about like when I picked my kids up from daycare, when I was picking my kids up from daycare and all the other stuff and just how you make sure that, how you make time for the things that are most important for you. I think people talk about how they don't have time to do stuff all the time. But if it was really important to you, you would do it. You would, I, I told her um, this morning, I was like, you know, he arranges his schedule around the things that he finds is most important. And then everything else happens based on that. And I think a lot of people just are being pushed through life and somebody tells me to go over here, so I go over here. Or somebody tells me to go do that and I go do that. Instead of saying, here's my intention for today, here's what I'm doing. And being able to have the freedom and even control, it's probably a better word to say, no, I'm not doing that, I'm doing this. right? Or I, I, this is more important than that, so that won't happen, or I'll give it to somebody else to do. Like, I think in concept everybody gets that, but in execution mm-hmm. it's lost. It's completely lost in execution. So let's circle back to the conference for a, for a moment again, because I'm just, I'm like all... I like to jump. I like to be spontaneous. But the conference is an important piece. This conference is coming up in March. Yeah, March 20th through the 22nd. Right. I'm not going to, I'm not playing stupid like I don't know because I will be there at this conference. And I'm looking forward to it. I've never been to a multifamily conference. And just seeing the energy around the people that are coming, yeah. you know, is, is to me, it's, a, it's, a, it's an important thing, you know, um, to go to something that I'm like you. I'm not like a big crowd person. Right. But to be able to go and meet like a, a nice intimate group of people and and really uh, connect and mm-hmm. people of who share similar values, similar mindset, and I can learn from anybody. Honest to God, if I'm open and I and I and I'm willing and teachable, I can learn from anybody. And I never want to be the person who thinks I have all the answers. Right. And um. So I'm sure, like, you know, I will pick up something from, some, from somebody, you know, the right people. And, um, yeah. and more importantly for me, I'm, I'm just grateful for an opportunity to give back and share because I feel like I've been blessed so much in my life. And the real blessing is in giving back. I agree. So many people in life are just takers. Right. You know, they're taken, right. always Vampires. trying to get for themselves. But when you're taken, you know, to really take, to really receive in life, you got to be a giver. It's the givers that get. Yeah. You know, the son's given to everybody. You know, the <laughs> yeah. son's not taken. It's just given. Right. And the son's the son. No, not, nobody can compete with the son. Right. You know, that's one of my, the one thing my uncle taught me was a kid. You know, the bigger person is the one who's the giver. Yeah. And, 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 um, and giving is receiving. In a big way. Yeah. In a big way. You get the opportunity to give. Um, you're not obligated to. You get the opportunity. It's a privilege. Yeah, you actually be in a position to have to share, um, but yeah, and, but to your point though, uh, I, I really want to hammer this home. Like, I'm inviting my friends right to come do a conference. Like everybody that's speaking, I know and know well, and I know how the, they and they're operators. They're operators. It's not. They're not just booksellers. It's not booksellers. They're not course sellers. You know, I got a course to sell. Right? Yeah, right. But right. that's 
part of me teaching people how to do it. Mm-hmm. And it's not $25,000, right? Like the, the goal is to help the next Duran and Jerome get into this space because we ran around for, fi- it took 15 years for me to, 16 years for me to figure out how to get into the game. Yeah. And it's just like, now you think, people think they can do it with podcasts. They think they can do it with YouTube. I did it that way. So the way. course, you just and came up the with the course? Or how long have you had the course? So we, we built the course tell, 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 like, to tell be me able to connect with people course, who are actually yeah. doing so it. And the course is on the way in 11 make or 12 weeks. Like I don't know how we edit it. It's short your learning curve. But it's immediately. And about 25 hours of me lecturing, right? And there's some role play in there and some other stuff. But we go through the four-step process that we use to buy multifamily and own it and operate it. And so it's a full-on curriculum from beginning to end. And we start with mindset. Education. Before you even do the first thing with buying an apartment, we talk about mindset and being in the right space. Notice that my tagline says I buy the business, right? The building isn't, it's not like buying a single-family house. You're buying a business. And as a business operator, as an entrepreneur, you've got to be in the right space to actually be an entrepreneur because it's really popular right now to have entrepreneur in your tagline on your different profiles. Right. But the reality of entrepreneurship is crushing for some people, especially if you're not grounded yeah, in the right space. It's hard. It's up, it's down, and sometimes it's down longer than it's up. And you know, some people try to numb it and bring it back down, but the reality is if you don't experience the full range, you're not actually doing it. So we start with the mindset and then we move into finding how do you find a deal, right? People get leads all the time, but they're not actually deals. It's not something that you can buy Um, pricing or some some other stuff may be wrong with it. Then we go into funding it. So how do you do your due diligence? How do you put the right team together? There's a whole lot of popularity around syndication. Um, There's other stuff like JVs and the stuff that you guys do and the way that you buy buildings. So JV is joint joint ventures. Um, and just to clarify for yeah. the audience. And so, you know, we talk about that. And our preferential model is joint venture because we feel like you you get to get into the business in, in a smaller deal and learn, right? It's kind of like a, a bike with training wheels. But it's interesting because every operator that goes to a bigger property says the smaller the property, the harder it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, but we want people to get into the game and find out if they really want to be in this business, mm-hmm. not in some huge deal where, you know, everything's on the line. And if they mess up, they're going in the ditch and they might not get out. So where do you want to see the person who's at the end of this course go? And then kind of just briefly, if it's OK to talk about the price point on yeah. the course. So where do I want them to go? I to to get it. So there's a whole funnel. We're not giving this deal, the course to everybody. Right. Like. Be back to the value piece of it. It's about getting the right people in the space. Like we don't just want to make money in apartment buildings. We want to improve the community. And it's something that you said yesterday. It's not just about making the money. We want to invest in the community. We want to improve the community in addition to making money. We think you can do good while doing well. And so we're looking, we're checking values before we even let somebody into the program. And so, you know, our website is MyersMethods.com. So M-Y-E-R-S-M-E-T-H-O-D-S.com. And you go there, you can get our free guide and it's completely free. You can get our free guide and it tells you why we like JVs over syndication. There's a 15 minute podcast that goes with that, that actually breaks it down. 
and it telling people how to get into the deal, right? You know, some people say they're multifamily investors because they've got a duplex or a triplex. And we're saying multifamily investing is when you get a commercial loan, right? And that's where the dividing line is between somebody saying you don't have the experience and you do. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you can go there, you get that guide. If you like what we're talking about, then then you can deepen the relationship. We've got a closed Facebook group that people can join. And then, you know, after you get to be around us some more and you understand if you want to go into the course, then we can talk about it. Shroom, how, how old are you? I'm 36. 36. You know, when I met you originally, I, th- I thought you were much older. And then I saw you, I'm like, oh, this is a young buck. <laughs> <laughs> To me, young buck, you know. You said you're but holding you're not, the camera wrong. Huh? <laughs> you told me I'm holding the camera wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I think it's amazing, you know. I think you're off to a great start. We're about we're about to, to the tail end of this, you yeah. know. So, but I want to see like what's your what's what's what do you what do you, you want to what's the legacy you want to leave? I want people to know their dreams should be real. Like at at the at the core, that's my thesis on life. Your dreams should be real. So whatever you dream of, I, I believe you can have it. You just have to be willing to make the sacrifices in order to get it. So dream catchers, don't just chase the dream, catch that dream. It's all about completion. All about completion. You've, you actually have to finish something. And I think too often we start and then we move to the next thing. we got shiny object syndrome. And I want you to finish and catch that dream and live in that dream and enjoy it. And then go find the new one. But don't leave the one that you said you wanted until you get it. Because if you do that, then you'll just have a bunch of open dreams out. Now check this. The bigger the dream, the bigger the dragon. You ever heard that? You got to slay it. You got to look it right in the <laughs> eye and slay it. You can't be scared. You got to do some things you've never done. If you're going to live a life that is you know, different than the one you've, you have today. Right, you definitely. And so, you know, yeah. for me, but I don't want people to do things like haphazardly. I don't want people to think that they can do something without actually getting educated or that, you know, you just go into something and you figure it out as you go. Like, these are real businesses that we're buying. We're putting millions of dollars at risk when we do this. And if you were going to go open a plumber shop or electrician shop, you go get some education. But people think they can just do real estate from reading a book or um, doing a podcast. And that it's not that simple. All right. So also in, for the conference, if they want to find information online for the conference, they go to MyersMethod.com? Yeah, so MyersMethods.com. Methods? Methods with the S. Oh, okay, he doesn't have one method. He's got methods. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a lot there. But anyway, yes. yeah, Methods with the S.com uh, forward slash C-O-N 2020. It's got, it got everything, the lineup, um, the schedule, um, everything is there. and You can lock in and... We can get the. And it's going to be at. It's going to be at the Meridian Convention Center in Greensboro, North Carolina. Okay. Starting at six p.m. on March twentieth and run until noon on March twenty second. Sunday from Friday evening to Sunday Sunday yeah. morning. Yeah, I mean, I'm right. so excited, man! I'm stoked. All right, I'm looking forward to it. So, thanks so much for coming out. Thanks for sharing your time. Thanks for sharing your wisdom. Thanks for sharing your experience. And I appreciate you for just the opportunity. It's. It's absolutely amazing. I definitely appreciate it. Thank you.